The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Oh, guns up. Get up. Welcome to Fair to Stop Night Shift. It's True Crime Tuesdays and I'm here with our amazing true crime host here on the fair to stop podcast channel it's andrea Uplates. Hello. good evening to you good evening to you it's good to see you tonight it's good to see you tonight it is raining here like cats and dogs uh my internet is absolutely bonkers and i got kicked off right before <laughs> that intro ended it so hopefully Hopefully the weather will hold off for this show, and I don't get uh, I don't get the internet. How's, is the weather shit there too, or no? No, it's um, it's cloudy right now, but it rained a little bit earlier on. Um, I just want to say that I saw that Sarah Kelch is leaving us because she's at a Matchbox Twenty concert, and I'm on record to say that's just not okay, bro. Bro, I'm so jealous. Talk about raining. It's raining men on her right now. Uh, Matchbox 20. That's where all the dudes are tonight at the Matchbox 20 concert. <laughs> Rip Pack's in there. By the way, Rip Pack has uh, got a Wolfpack sale going on right now. Um, and I'm sure he'll put that in the chats what exactly it, it is or it goes through 4th of July. Um, I know I, I mention Rip Pack all the time on this show. I'm just a, like, I'm an avid user of Rip Pack. Um, and so people see me use it all the time. Matter of fact, my buddy just went uh, backpacking around Mexico and I put him on the way with some. With some rip pack. I guess there's mountains in Mexico. That's an adventurous buddy. Yeah, I think it's like South Mexico, like in the mountains of Mexico, wherever there's okay. mountains. Uh, tonight's show, though, is brought to you by stamps.com. Stamps.com. If you got a little small business when every person, every moment, every penny counts, you can't afford to take any of them for granted. Not your time, not your money, and that's where Stamps.com gets it. Because for the last 25 years, they've been helping businesses just like ours uh, save you time and money. So you can focus on your business knowing that Stamps.com has all your postage needs covered with premium discounts and great rates. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They send you a scale. They send you like a little digital scale. It's so cool. And um, you can schedule your pickups from your from your house. So I do all the little gifty packaging stuff right here from the confines of my own studio. Uh, but right now, uh, you can do like a four-week trial plus uh, some free postage and a digital scale. If you head over to www.stamps.com forward slash Wolfpack, that's www.stamps.com forward slash Wolfpack, and you can get a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. So you can weigh out your mail and uh, whatever other things you kind of, you know, a couple of grams of flour, you know, maybe a little sugar for your for your cookies. So, for your baking needs. For your baking needs. That's what I use my digital scale for. So what is that white powdery substance on your digital scale? That's not going to be cocaine, is it? No, that's, that's creatine. That's workout powder. I've been weighing out my workout. Sir, you have not worked out in two decades. That's creatine. And that's a real story. That's what happened. Lots of super chats tonight. James Wells, five bones. Longtime listener, first time caller. Well, James, oh, thanks, James. Damn it. Damn it, James. I'm glad you called. 
Glad you called him. Poke in Mr. Wells. Uh, I had an abusive uncle named uh, Mr. Wells. Used to beat the fuck out of my aunt until he hung himself to death. Um, And then my aunt died as well uh, from like a pseudo suicide. I guess if you if you do if you do a lot of alcohol and prescription drugs at the same time, they just rule that a heart attack, even if you do it on purpose. Which I like that for religious purposes purposes because i don't think suicides go to heaven right is that the that's what the catholics or the jews one of you guys believe that so um if that religion is right i hope that they go on what the medical examiner puts on the paper and not probably what reality is so we'll just say that she died of a apparent heart attack just like elvis on the toilet um and then somebody else 20 bones thank you who was that who, who gave us amy amy who was that amy rooker amy rooker Thank you, you know Amy. Amy Rooker. You know what Amy Rooker rhymes with? Booker, which kind of sounds like bookie. Mybookie.com. Mybookie.com starts uh, sponsoring our show, by the way, July 1st. They want to work with us on uh, two of the fights in July. So ah. just found that out literally hours before the show today. Uh, Mybookie.com called, did a little onboarding with them. They've got two fights coming up. And the the last fight is the the Poirier, Poirier fight, Perrier. Poirier, I don't know, UFC dude. And um, they want to do, like, they're going to drop us some money in an account so that um, us team members can play around and bet on mybookie.com. And then all of our listeners can bet with us and we can bet on, like, what color shorts they're going to wear or, like, how long oh, they're going to sing the national anthem or how many times the ring girls walk back and forth. Like, all the fun bets that we can do. And maybe we can do, like, a wa- live watch along with the fight and see, like, who wins and who loses and stuff like that. So. Anyway, big shot. Lots of new sponsors, but uh, ghostbed.com is who brings you this every week without fail. It doesn't matter if it's first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. It's always ghostbed for us. Beds made in the good old USA right now, 35% off. And just you wait because they have 4th of July sales coming. And you know they Woo-hoo. go all in because why? They're beds made in the good old USA. 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 Nothing more patriotic than that. So I'm excited. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do for 4th of July. Next week is our one year anniversary. Try to put something together special. I don't know if Andrea is going to do the show topless. If I'm going to do a topless, if we're going to have some kind of a crazy murderer on or somebody uh, who's been murdered. I don't know. We're trying to put something together. So uh, stay tuned for next week. You're not going to want to miss being in the live chats on YouTube. So I know that 99% of you guys are audio listeners. Um, but we do, uh, I don't know, we have you know, a bunch of people in the chats tonight, a bunch of paid members, David Osborne, Amy Rooker, Carly, Jonathan, TJR, the list goes on and on and on, David J. Um, I'm not going to keep going because I'll be here all night. But thank you guys. Next week, though, if you're an audio listener, get in the live chats because we're going all in. It's, it's fan, f- freaky fan Tuesday next Fantastic. week. Fantastic. Fantastic Tuesday in the live chats. Uh, I, you know what? Maybe we should draw on ourselves. Maybe we should get out the magic marker. If we can't get the special guests we're trying to lock in, maybe we just pull out those magic markers like I did a year ago and um, you know, do super chats for a good cause. And that good cause is uh, lining our pockets while we get yeah, phallic images all over our bodies. Uh, I'm not, I'm not below that though. I'm not above it or below it. I'll do anything. Tonight's show is missing and unsolved. You know, I hate that Andrea, you know, I know I fucking hate that. I hate it when it's missing and unsolved. Um, I wish all these cases were solved. Um, and I wish they weren't, 
it always breaks my heart. Um, but you know what? Listening, at least when it's missing and unsolved, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a glimmer of hope. Um, yeah. You know, there's a light maybe at the end of that tunnel when they're just, you know, uh, then, uh, then, then, then there's no chance. So this one is the Millbrook Twins. That sounds sad already. Uh, it is. <clears throat> literally losing pep in my step as I read that title. Uh, do we have any true crime news? I do have one piece of news, though, that I wanted to cover really quick. But Yeah, we'll cover the news. Also, um, if you're in the chats or listening right now, uh, the missing twins or victims, however we presume, um, sister is watching now. So everybody be mindful cool. of that, please. Yeah, so um, in terms of I don't have true crime stuff, but Amy Rooker, I never said hooker. I never said hooker, Amy. I said booker. And that rhymes with my bookie. Booker I, was trying my to, bookie. I was trying to throw in a my bookie shameless plug there uh, a couple of weeks later. But yes. I mean, if you feel like I called you a hooker and you want an apology, a thousand sorries to the Titanic and back in a cheap white submarine. I'm sorry. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So. We're going to talk a little pop culture really quickly, and then you can get to your piece of crime. Um, the story we're talking about tonight took place in 1990. So we have, first and foremost, maybe the most important bit of news out of 1990 was the movie Ghost. Um, the movie Ghost came out. Unchained Melody made a new appearance. Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. It doesn't get much better than that. The Simpsons aired in May of that year as well, and Cheers was celebrating its ninth season. Were you a fan of Cheers? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like Cheers. Yeah, I like to go to Cheers. We had a Cheers in our neighborhood, oh. in our uh, in our town. Have I been there? A, and my dad was a postman. So I don't know. Last time I was there, I bought a um, maybe like a fuzzy navel. I don't know. I, mean, I bought some like ridiculously um, homosexual style drink, um, and I gave it to a marine and made like flirtatious gestures at him. And this was now this was back in the like you know in the salmonized days. So what, two thousand seven, mm-hmm. two thousand eight, and uh, the dude didn't take the joke funny. And uh, maybe he's a little homophobic. Came over and decked me right off of the stool, and I was kicked out. I Even though the bartender is the one that delivered the drink for me. Yeah, I was just doing fair. it because he was a Marine, and he had his little Marine Corps hat and his little Marine Corps T-shirt that was a schmedium. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, felt yeah. like yeah, being a little army. I don't know, just a young army guy. Yeah, and uh, I was too used to having Sam with me, the big, you know, big ogre. Fight my battles, and uh, I got punched, and they kicked me out. So that was the last time I went to Cheers. He's not fighting battles. All right, um, <laughs> but, a he, different... but he looks mean. <laughs> the show A Different World was out. Um, Sinead O'Connor, you want to sing it? Don't go chasing. No, not TLC. Oh. Sinead O'Connor. Oh, Sinead O'Connor, and isn't it ironic? Nope. Stop. Don't you think? Nope. A little too. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nothing I really do think compares, right? Compares. There you go. Nothing compares. compares to you. Do you know who wrote that? Prince wrote that. All right. Oh, um, this is going to be my first guess. 
boxing. So I always bring up Tyson when I can. So Mike Tyson became the year's highest earner with $28.6 million U.S. million to his name. Dang. Baseball, we had Nolan Ryan was 43 years old then and threw his sixth oh. career no-hitter for the Texas Rangers. Nolan Ryan, the GOAT. There was a lot of goats in the 90s because you had Michael Jordan. was got some Cal Ripken. Oh, yeah, dude. One of my faves. Mm -hmm, Baby faves. Got his autograph. Every one of his cards. Ah, handsome. Right? Handsome man. Now, let me ask you this really quick. Before we get really serious. Uh, Hit it or quit it on Mike Tyson in his prime? God, no. He's terrifying. That would be like sleeping with a lion. You know what I mean? Like It might be fun and cuddly and playful for a minute. But at any second, that thing could rip you to shreds. Yeah, I don't that think it was be... fun. I don't think that's fun. Yeah. No. It'd be exciting. Maybe. Stick with stick with Cal Ripken. <laughs> yeah, it's a safer bet. Jeez. Uh, Carly says karaoke night. She's dropping five bones. Everybody's in a good mood on this gloomy. They sure are. They sure Friday, are. Friday, uh, Tuesday night. Oh, might as well we have Friday. the Hubble Space Telescope first placed in orbit. That's a fun one. David Osborne um, said, says Nolan Ryan could throw 108 miles an hour. Now I read something recently that it might not. It might have been faster because the radars didn't actually have the technology to keep up. They with did the ball not. Back they did so not. that bitch could have been like 110, 111. Yep. Whew. Yep. That's fast. It's the best. That's real fast. Um, and in terms of crime in 1990, Daniel Harold Rowling, otherwise known as the Gainesville Ripper, uh, was a serial killer, murdered five students in Gainesville, Florida, over four days in August of 1990. So that's our big crime news of that year. Uh, what is it you wanted to speak on? Ah, it's not important. I was just going to say that there was a there was a, a missing submarine. Um, oh, I can't. The reason the I can't talk about that but is the because Titanic it went down. The Titanic went down in the '90s, so it kind of coincides with with your history news. But uh, yeah, right. What a, a nightmare of nightmare stories. And being that this show is night shift, and we like to talk all things night shifty, and um, you know, I'm sure this will be a tale that we will have on night shift many, many moons from now. Um, where your children are listening to Night Shift to stay awake while on the night shift. Um, but yeah, what a, I cannot, unless it was just like a depressurization, like they all just got exploded. That's best case scenario. And that's terrible scenario. But every other scenario, it's like what they run out of oxygen in like in the next hour. Actually, everything else is worse. You know what yeah, I mean? That's what like, I'm saying. Like I'm presuming saying like, that that's... they're not going to survive. I would much rather just explode without explode, knowing to anticipate right? it. Right, but if not, they've only got like minutes left of oxygen. Because I, I mean, like a couple hours ago, they were only, they were down to like seventy minutes of oxygen, if they were surviving on oxygen underneath the ocean. Now there is a slight chance that they're floating, and the currents, uh, regardless, have been they're popping up and they're, down. But they're bolted in, so oh. they have minimal. Like I think that if I'm not mistaken, they like screw. They bolted them in from the outside. And they yeah. have minimal water, 12, 12 ounces a person uh, per person of water, something, something like, like that. that. And I heard a thing on TikTok today that says uh, that there's no poop plan on that thing. Oh, that's the least just, of their worries right now. You just, you just, yeah, really? Until you're sitting in there for 48 hours and there's shit all around your feet. Well, you've got to think that carbon dioxide is going to rise. Now you're just breathing it in. You know, um, Ooh. Like they were talking about it earlier that the, you know, like the scrubbers for the CO2 are not going to be working properly now. So like your CO2 is rising, you're starting to get, um, you know, a little out of your mind, a little, it's, it, it makes me feel sick to my stomach. You know, I had this discussion yesterday with someone kind of like a, would you rather? Yeah. Because while that, um, 
is so difficult to think about. And like I said, it's claustrophobic. Something even scarier to me always, there are going to be plenty in the chats that disagree, but is space. So space actually makes me more claustrophobic. Like the vastness of it makes me almost not be able to breathe. So would you rather be floating in a capsule? Somehow something went wrong in space and you're either going to make it or you're going to vaporize or whatever until your oxygen's out and whatever, or this thing in the ocean. I don't know. I think space, because at least you got shit to look at. Or nothing at all. What do you think you're looking at? The moon, the sun, the earth. You can't, Okay, you look at the sun. You, what? In that capsule, it's nothing but pure darkness. It probably is in space, too, unless you can potentially see the moon. But 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 if you get us, I'm with Carly. She said, "Give me the sub any day." It all sounds terrible, but if I have to pick, I'm picking Mm. sub. I'm at least close to Earth. There's a chance you might can get me. I I don't know. I guess if you want to go on chances of (sighs) somebody getting you, you'd have better chance on there. But yeah, what I mean now, the thing that's been pissing me off about this case so much is that everybody's just like, "Where's the regulation? Where's the regulation?" I'm like, "Shut up about regulation." If rich elite billionaires want to risk their lives to get on a sub. That's controlled by a Nintendo controller. Let them. There's no government that needs to regulate that. If that's what you want to do with your billions of dollars and you're too stupid to, you know, check on your own that that thing is going to be safe, fuck them. I don't need, I, like, and what government would regulate it? It's international waters. The fact that everybody's, like, so hyper-focused on regulating shit like this, like, nobody has any business regulating any of this. Like, let rich people do rich people shit, and if they want to die doing it, it's just, like, you should be able to, I, I hate regulations. Like, if people want to jump off of buildings with parachutes, as long as there's no chance of them hurting somebody else below right. them, I'm with you in that, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm Scott, with you there. Let's do it. If you want to jump it's out of airplane, It's still horrifying, I mean, it's horrifying, sure, but I don't. I don't think we need to regulate, you know, who goes down in a submarine and what kind of submarine they go down in. People want to. You know, these are billionaires. They're not idiots. They're way smarter than any of these other governments. That's why they have billions of dollars. The one dude was literally a billionaire. Oh yeah. You don't get there by being a you know an ignoramus. You know, I mean, yeah, maybe old money, I maybe. Guess you, I guess you could inherit some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, going on to the missing and unsolved case of the Millbrook twins. It's, it's raining. It's dreary. The sun's going down. Go ahead and scare the shit out of me and give me anxiety problems. I'm ready for it. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. So we're taking it back, guys, to the spring of '90. So March 18th of 1990 in Augusta. Georgia, we are going to be talking about 15-year-old twins, Jeanette and Danette Millbrook. Jeanette Jeanette and Danette. Uh, They were born April 2nd of 1974. They today would be 49 years old. Uh, So Augusta, Georgia, if you're not familiar uh, now and particularly at that time, there uh, is kind of all ranges of wealth and you know, living arrangements and these kinds of things. Augusta, you can argue, is mostly known for its yearly hosting of the Masters Golf Tournament. So a very prestigious um, event that takes place there. Tons and tons and tons of tourism. In fact, uh, you know, even personally, like when I sometimes travel back home to Tennessee, uh, Augusta is a good halfway point. So sometimes the kids, I might want to stay like in an Airbnb halfway. So if it's around Easter and we're making that trip, I've looked into doing that and it's out of the question every time because everything is quadruple the price because the masters are in town. Um, mm. so 
Uh, this brings a lot of tourism, which we will touch on why that might be important later. Uh, like I said, just a huge influx of money and people. In fact, Warren Buffett is a member of this organization. So you're talking big names, big money, you know, former presidents are there all the time. This is the kind of, you know, idea, if you can picture that. Oh, There's so also, a bunch of rich elites are hanging around. Well, wow. yeah, right. Good luck. So then you also have, you know, pockets of low income housing. You have a little bit of everything there. Uh, but you know, there are some, there's some whispers that maybe some undesirable activity could be a bit sweep swept under the rug with the idea that it could put a hand, you know, put a damper on this tourism idea, right? If, if oh, people are coming in yeah. and they actually kind of know some of these things, they may not want to come spend their money there. So that's something to keep swirling in the back of your head as we talk about it. So on this day in March, um, late March of 1990, it was between 66 and 70 degrees. I get different accounts on that. It was a nice spring day. What's the difference uh, in 66 and 70 degrees? Like who gives a shit? I just get, I'm particular. So I'm being specific. <laughs> As specific 66, as I can. it would have been a Chinese man that did it. If it was 70 degrees, definitely going to be a white person. Okay. I'm just kidding. I just but, yeah. mean, you I know. You. I got you. Attention to detail. You're like a, like a it real is. I will say, detective. I've said this before, and we're going to do a show on this. We talked about it. How, how true is true crime? I would rather not give information if I think it's, you know, I'd rather give less information than the wrong right. information. Right. Um, so yeah, so it was just a beautiful spring day. Regardless, you got to think the days are getting longer in the spring. I don't know. There's always like a little buzz in the air, at least for me, like March, April, you're anticipating summer and things are getting kind of nice. The town was bustling. Like I said, the masters are approaching. So masters are in April every year. So this is March. Yeah. Okay. Um, so on Sunday, so you, it's kind of like March Madness time frame too, and Georgia is pretty big for basketball. True. I, I don't know. What, is there colleges around Augusta? Oh yeah, Augusta? I mean, there's. You've got yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you've got. I can't so, remember where Georgia Tech was. Was Georgia Tech near Augusta? I don't know. So uh, I'm not sure. I'm sure someone will chime in because that's a big that's a big basketball. That you know that's a big March Madness. Mm-hmm. So this family, the Milwick family is not partic particularly invested in the masters here, but I mention it just to know that that's kind of what's going on in the town during this time. Okay. So it's a Sunday, uh, Danette and Jeanette go with their mother. They have a younger sister, um, and they have multiple siblings actually, and they go to church at Christ Presbyterian church. Uh, they go that morning, like they always do their regulars there. And they're about to leave, and money was a little bit tight, all right, for mom. So, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm trying to grab my little notes here. So, um, Shantae is the sister uh, that is tuning in. And Shantae, uh, if you look into this case more or read further or listen to other podcasts, she has been an advocate for her sisters and for this case uh, for all of these years, these 33 years since they've gone missing. Um, so Shantae would have been 12 at this time. So the family goes to church, like I said, as usual, while they're there, they're leaving. And the pastor gave mom, uh, mom's name is Louise. M pastor gives mom a few dollars to kind of help out with lunch for the kids for the day. So they come home. Um, you've got Danette, who was known as kind of the, 
more, not so to speak, outspoken, but she would kind of take up for Jeanette if needed. So Jeanette was a bit quieter. She enjoyed, she had a kitten named Jennifer that she adored and nurtured and was just kind of really soft-spoken, sweet nurturer girl. And Danette kind of took on the role of, um, you know, like I'll handle you if you, you know, if you talk to my sister ugly or whatever. So she was a little bit more of that. Uh, So when they come home, you know, you come home after church, you change your clothes, get a little comfy, which is what they do. Danette, uh, changes out of her church clothes into a white Mickey Mouse t-shirt, white jeans, and black shoes. And Jeanette didn't really fully change. She just changed into comfy shoes. So at this point, she's wearing a cream curdle, cream colored excuse me, turtleneck, a navy pullover, and a khaki skirt with her little white tights, just like she had worn to church. She just now instead changed into tennis shoes. So um, mom gives them the money that they had gotten from church and asks them to go get some Food. So they got some church's chicken, which was down the street. It was easy to get to by foot. So the girls walk down the street, get some nice meal for after church um, and come on back home. So while they're home, they're sitting with their siblings and their mom and they're talking about, uh, you know, what the week looks like. Well, they've recently moved uh, to a new area of town, not far, two or three miles from where they had previously lived, but this puts their school in a different zone. So now they're going to be responsible for bus fare, uh, you know, just like city bus fare to get to school. So as they're sitting around eating there after Sunday lunch and talking, they decide to, um, you know, kind of make a plan for the week. And what does it look like now that we're living here? So mom realizes that the girls are going to need bus fare. Again, money is tight, but she called up the girl's godfather. His name was Theodore. He went by Ted. And so Theodore says, yeah, I'll give them some money. That's fine. Just send them over here. So they do. So around two 30, the girls set off on foot to Ted's house. Um, Dad, if you want to put a picture up of just the girls side by side, I think we have a picture of Jeanette and Danette um, somewhere there if you're watching. So that's if you're looking at the screen, guys, um, or if you look at Instagram later, that's Danette on the left and Jeanette on the right. Uh, just happy 15 year old girls, shortcut hair. Um, you know, they're fraternal twins, so they're not identical. Uh, but that's a picture of the girls there. So they set off and they go get, uh, or so they go to Ted's house to obtain this money. Uh, so Ted gives them about 20 bucks and then a little bit extra per child for some spending money. He told him, you know, he'd give them like a, any good godfather would do, right? Like, here's you some treat money for on your way home, you know, get you a little snack or whatever. So they do. Um, when they leave Ted's house, They then go to their cousin uh, Juanita's house. They stop in. She's also a teenager. They ask her uh, if she would go. They ask Juanita's mother if Juanita would walk them home. Now, her mother thought that this was an interesting request because the girls had made this trip on foot before. Uh, They've never requested a ride. In fact, the mom will say later, Miss Louise will say that, uh, she knew that there were, you know, some undesirable things in the neighborhood, but she always felt okay because the girls were always together, you know, safety in numbers and wasn't too worried about it. Uh, It's important to note that when the girls left their home that day to go to Ted's for the money, their little sister uh, 
asked if she could, uh, Shantae asked if she could go with them again. She's 12. They're 15. You know, they kind of make a joke basically like, you know, it's our business or you don't need to come with us. And then they kind of laugh and they say, no, we'll be right back, you know, stay home. So she stays home. And this is something that she has thought about, uh, obviously, as you can imagine for the next 33 years, because, you know, could things have been different for her? Could she have also gone missing or would they have maybe still been there with them if there had been a third? There, you know, there's no way to right. know. These are things that we know that our brain does. There's there's no point in harping on it because it doesn't change anything. But also, our, you know, we do these kinds of things. So either way, they leave Ted's and they go to Juanita's, like I said. Now, Juanita's mom, their aunt, is not happy with, the, with Juanita walking them home. She's concerned that... Uh, it's going to be getting a little too close to dark by the time Juanita walks them home for her to be walking back alone. So she sure. says no. So then the girls go, they have an older sister that was out of the house. Uh, older sister's name is um, Asiander. So Asiander has actually recently had a baby. So it kind of surprised her that they came to her house to request that she walk home with them. And she didn't understand what, uh, why they would be asking kind of same as Juanita's mom. Uh, this was not a normal request of theirs, but she says no, because like I says, said she has just recently given birth. So she tells them, you know, just be safe, go on home, uh, whatever. Right. So then they go to the, uh, pump and shop. That's a gas station, little corner market down the street right there in their old neighborhood. And so they've gone to, uh, their godfather's house, their, cousin's house and their older sister's house. So now they're going to this gas station. Remember, Ted gave them some spending money. So they spend it. They know the the clerk there. They're familiar with her. She knows their family. Again, this was the neighborhood they used to live in. They were there often. So she recognizes the girls. So she's able to tell authorities later, we're keeping a pretty decent timeline um, by way of them traveling on foot. Her name is Agnes. If I am getting that right, I believe it's Miss Agnes. And she said that they came in, that they were acting fine and normal. Nothing seemed um, offbeat with them whatsoever. They got some chips, a drink, and some candy each. Uh, she said there had been a car parked outside at some point, but, I mean, nothing to cause alarm. And it could have just been another customer or loiter or whatever. It was nothing that raised any suspicion. I mean, to this day, it was just never confirmed to be anything. But either way, she checks them out and then... She has to go in the back for something. She comes back and they're gone. She thinks nothing of it. So she does not know. She cannot confirm at that point whether they left on foot or by car. Again, this is 1990. We don't have surveillance or closed circuit TV on gas stations like we do now, you know, in corner shops like that. So there's nothing to, to go off of at that point. This was the last time the girls were seen. So when they leave that gas station, they've never been seen again. So okay. they left that gas station in a vehicle. We don't know. You wonder, you know, because you know, you, you'd think, man, with all the, I guess it would just be a nightmare to to for a detective because so many cars are in and out, and and it's a busy day. It's a Sunday afternoon, like a spring Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's not uh, a rural area. I mean, you know, they're in town, right? So they are not seen from again. Now listen to this. So when they left, remember they went to church and came home and then they went to pick up some food and come home. So they left home three times that day to go to church with their family, then together to get this food for lunch for the family that came home and then together again 
to get the gas, the bus fare money and never seen after what happened between the second and the third time is interesting because when they came home with their food uh, after church, they told their mom that a black male in a white van had followed them and it made them feel uneasy. She looked out, she saw nothing and they kind of, you know, I think that they kind of like everybody kind of forgot about it. Uh, maybe wrote it off that he wasn't really following them, you know, maybe just, you know, whatever. But that's a very important thing. It's to always know. a van too, man. It's always a God. fucking like dude, dudes driving vans should just yeah. be a red flag. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I agree. But you know what? Kids have that sixth sense. I remember as a kid, they do. You know what I mean? I remember as a kid, like, it never happened to me, but like I, w- I felt like maybe every school year there was a kid, you know, that would like run into the classroom and be like, there was a car and it was following me and it did this or, it did, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that was also during the height of unsolved mysteries. So I, th- these girls probably were onto something and that's probably your biggest clue if I, right. Sure so we'll talk about that how that might come into play uh, as we, as we move forward with the case, but that's something definitely to remember. So, um, I mean, do you believe that people have spider senses? You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, hairs on your neck stand. We up, talk about know? it all the time because all we also time. have conditioned ourselves a lot of the time to ignore it, to you don't want to feel dumb, you don't want to feel like you're overreacting, right. you don't, you know, you don't want to like um, profile someone, you don't want whatever could be sure. the thing. And you, so you just think, no, 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 it's, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm sure it was fine, I'm sure it was fine, but it happened uh, to me and, and, apartment gym back in Fayetteville days and uh like I was fine but not without some like a a dude was being pretty aggressive and I knew the minute he walked in that gym and it was at nighttime and I was alone and you know a teeny tiny apartment gym there's only a couple pieces of equipment a treadmill you know there's not much and I was running and there was um uh, a mirror you know along the wall that you face when you're working out and so as I'm running, the TV's up in the corner playing something that I can't really see. And then I can see the mirror and a gentleman walks in, big guy, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, probably 350 pounds, huge dude, uh, tap, you know, ducks to get in the doorway kind of a situation. He time. comes in, he comes in and uh, immediately without word to me and that's you know I think that's always suspicious when someone doesn't make eye contact or smile or nod or wave or speak it's odd and he comes in uh, immediately just sits down on a weight bench but he's not wearing gym clothes he's wearing like jeans and you know whatever like a sweatshirt or something um, (laughs) and grabs uh, the remote for the TV and immediately changes it but he changes it to like a sport like to something in sports so i think okay the dude doesn't have cable he's coming to use this to watch Mm -hmm. the game like so i don't think too much about it but as i'm running i talk about the spidey sense i don't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable i can just something felt odd i kind of started going through it in my head like now keep in mind i was younger i was in my early 20s so i didn't want to feel dumb or feel like i was overreacting or you know something like that and uh as I'm like seeing myself in the mirror in front of me as I jog on the treadmill, I can see him sitting on that bench looking in the mirror at me. But he'll never look at me. He never turns his head to look. He doesn't speak. Anyway, this goes on for a while. 
I finally start slowing the treadmill down. So I thought I'm done. You know, it was probably nine or 10 o'clock at night. I was like, I I was back at, I was alone at that apartment. I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'll just leave my clothes in the dryer. I'm going to go back, you know, to my house. Uh, And as I'm slowing the treadmill down and starting to like stop it, he stood up and walked over and stood in front of the door and faced me. And uh, I mean, my heart sank, you know what I mean? I thought, oh, this is it. This is what I was afraid of. And now I'm angry with myself that I didn't just go sooner or Mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, it, it all wound up being okay. Uh, he definitely. I think it's a dangerous place to try to rape a chick in a gym because there's a lot of weights that could be thrown around at you. This dude would have snapped me in half. This guy was oh, gigantic. I couldn't massive. have even gotten to a weight. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Ultimately, what happened is he stood in front of the door and we kind of do one of these. And I know I was just scared and young. And mm. I was just like, I, I'm trying to leave or whatever I said, very unself assuredly. Um, and he grabbed me and I, I'm sure my face lit up with panic. And then he laughed and he stepped aside <laughs> and opened the door and left. And do you know what I look at now? Oh, do you know what I think now? What? I think I would like to know what his criminal history looks like now because we always talk about uh, it. People like, you know what I mean? Like there's voyeurs, there's people who like to look that, and look know? and then they might like test the waters dabble. and approach people. Yeah. They dabble like that was safe. And then he could Dude, let me you could go. Have been and touched, go. You could have been touched by a serial rapist. Well, it terrified me. And I mean, the second he did that and then I was just so angry, you know, right. But whatever, it doesn't matter. But to answer your question, always and listeners, always we talk about this. If you, if, you know what, if you're wrong, Worst case scenario, well, listen, you're wrong. Every like mo- the profile, like I don't know. We, we talk about it all the time in the police department, but the, like criminals, generally speaking, want three things: they want it to be quick, they want it to be very simple, and they want it to be very quiet. So if you can take away quick, simple, or uh, quiet away from them, they'll usually leave. And they, they, you know, we call it getting off of the X. So for an example, if you're at the ATM and there's somebody hovering around, and you got those spider senses. You know, if they, you know, if you, quiet, right? Let's take away quiet. Oh, damn it. Are you fucking serious? This, how is there no money in my account? Right? Like now you're kind of like, it's not easy. It's not quiet. You're upset. Now you're like flailing your arms, like at the machine. They're probably going to walk away because they're going to probably be like, oh, that's a sign. I'm out because it's not quick. It's not going to be quiet. And, it looks but like you, you don't have you know you may not anyway, be in a position or in a you may not be in a place where that would matter like i could have sure, yelled sure, sure, sure. and it wouldn't have mattered it's the office is shut down for the night yeah. you know what i mean mm. so my point is you know to answer your question yes we i think that we do have these instincts you know it's what helps keep us alive and you need to um men and women particularly women heed those and if you feel that way then leave so what you left somewhere early you're safe like you sh- it's but, probably your fault you probably shouldn't have been dressed the way you were it's probably your fault. <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you for I that. Had to. I, I had know you to. did. I know you I did. I had to do it. I had to do it. I know I had to you do did. It. So okay, let's get back to Jeanette wear and Jeanette, your, y'all. Wear your burka to the gym next time. I'll do it. Uh, so we know that they were last seen at that gas station, uh, and Agnes, the lady who worked there, confirmed it. So by evening time, uh, mom is getting 
you know, she's getting concerned. I mean, the girls really yeah. don't do much. They don't go out. They're 15. They don't go out a lot. They're home. You know, like I said, what they did today is about the extent of how much they leave the house. Maybe go to see their old friends or a family member and come right on back home. Well, the 90s so, was different because you didn't have cell phones. So you couldn't really venture. You know, we had more freedom because we didn't have cell phone. But at the same time, you didn't. You didn't wander as far away. You didn't right. like, get in a car with people. You didn't go to yeah. people's houses because you didn't have a way of getting into you know you had to be able to call mom and get permission first you know right and and there weren't even like you know soon after pagers were kind of coming into the mix a little bit for high school age kids or maybe middle school age kids but you know even then this wasn't really much of a thing so this was 1990 was like kids. on the dot so private, private school kids oh um what well, didn't matter we didn't have a phone to go with it anyway you still had to have coins to call like once you got that page you had to find a pay phone <laughs> um Either way, so now it's nighttime. Mom's getting concerned, as you can imagine. And so she calls the last place she knows for the girls to have been, and that would be their godfather, Ted's house. So she calls him, and he said, no, you know, they did stop by. Yeah, they were here. They left a while ago. Um, remember, they left home between 2 and 2.30 to set out to right. Ted's. The last time they were seen at that gas station was around 4.30, which actually makes mm. perfect sense if they walked from home to Ted's to cousins, to sisters, to gas station. That's sure. been two hours and it's yeah. a couple of miles, two to three miles. So that is that is right on par. So it sounds like nothing really went sideways between any of those events until after the gas station. So he said, yeah, I gave them some bus fare. I gave them some extra money to get themselves a treat on the way home, you know, whatever. They keep making phone calls. That's when they find out uh, that they've, you know, that she did go. In fact, the girls did go, in fact, to the cousins and to the sisters and then um, eventually all the rest of these details come out over time. So mom calls local sheriff's department that evening. They tell her that, you know, you have to wait 24 hours for a missing person's report. Sure. She's very, very concerned. So of course she but hangs see, up the no, phone. Listen, 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 we got to cover this. We got to cover this. We got to cover this. Um, I, know. I get asked this. I ask this. I get asked this all the time. Um, why do cops and all these true cases never file a police report does not do anything for you. It does not help with this search. So if you come, and my wife made me like explain this in gory detail. If you call me and you say, if you call 911 and say like, hey, I got two 15-year-old daughters and they're missing, most cops, nine, generally speaking, <clears throat> cops aren't going to like, they're not, they, they don't want to just lose somebody, right? Like they, they have hearts, they have souls. So 15's a little different. You know, you might not go as hard in the paint for a 15-year-old, but definitely when you've got like younger kids, you're going to go look for them. But a report is something that you might do a day or two later, but it doesn't mean everybody's no one's looking, looking for the kid. They're yeah. putting, like they might even put a helicopter up and what you're doing is you're taking notes in your notepad and a timeline. The only thing a report does is kind of keep your timeline a little bit neater because it's like, you know... It's just done quicker, but I would rather you not be sitting typing a report somewhere and I'd rather you be on the ground looking for my kid. And usually the cop that's in charge of the missing person, it's on his shoulders. And like at the end of the oh, day, it's well, going to be. is it? Because that's what well, I think you're going to find. Generally speaking, generally speaking. I agree. And but <clears throat> this is a case where I'm always, you know, you know, and I think we all do this on failure to stop. We sit back and listen and then, and then make, you know, kind of an assessment on how we think things went and you know 
there are, there are times when we hear, you know, like, oh, it's a conspiracy or, oh, the cops did this or didn't do this sure, right. And sure, you, sure. you can try to sit back and see well, if, it, if uh, that's accurate or not. The boys on the tracks. I mean, those were corrupt, Ooh. foul well, cops. Tell you, Dennis Perkins, foul, yep. corrupt cop, you know. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times people are frustrated uh, with results or lack of results. And so it's easy to say maybe that the cops sure. aren't doing their job. But I will tell but you. The report thing. It doesn't matter if the cop is corrupt or not. No, Most cops looking for people are not doing a report within 24 hours because you just don't, I mean, it's, it's dumb to do it because 99, like, listen, missing persons reports come across your day in Raleigh. As a cop, you were going to take a missing persons report every single day. Every single day, you're going to get a call that somebody is missing. Every single day mm-hmm. that you work, somebody is going to go missing. And every single time for six years, you find them and there's nothing nefarious that happens sure. every single time. So imagine that every day that you went to your job, you had the same thing. And for years and years, it's never been the thing. So, but I love it. All these podcasts are like, and they, they don't do the report for 24 hours. Well, so that's not even the egregious point. That right, wasn't sure, the problem. Sure, sure. So mom is okay with that. She sits back and waits. As soon as 24 hours have expired, she immediately calls again on the dot. Right. And they do. Someone comes out to the house um, to address the situation. So I don't think, I mean, I'm sure as a parent, you know, you, you wish you could make a report because it feels like something is happening. But to your point, I understand that. Uh, but someone comes out, James Ship. Uh, this guy, I will tell you what, I don't look at this one. You guys listen to the case, read as much as you want. I will give you um, The Fall Line is a podcast that covered this heavily, heavily, heavily took it upon themselves to go to Augusta. They've spoken with the family. Uh, they've really researched this at length. I listened to all of their show upon reading multiple other sources. Um, I will tell you, I'm not quick to just say that people didn't do the right thing in terms of the authorities. Sure. But if I feel like there was incompetence, I mean, like whatever, we'll see. But yeah. that is my determination after this one. And, and come to your yeah. own conclusion here. Yeah, let's see. But um, and it probably it, is. After the boys on the tracks. Yeah, this Shit, one doesn't dude, seem like corruption to me. Like that was definitely corruption, collusion, just dirty, dirty stuff. This one just seems like apathy. Um, it okay, we'll talk about what it seems like. So so the guy comes out to take the report. He right off the rip, the le- the girl's last name is Millbrook. He put an S on the end. It stayed in the report that way. He got their birth date wrong. It's okay. twins. They each have obviously the same birth date. He gets it uh-huh. wrong. There were multiple other discrepancies within the report. Mm-hmm. Um, so time goes on a day, two days, a week. Nothing's coming of it. Immediately, even upon coming to the house the first day, he kind of shirks it and says, oh, I think that they probably just ran away. Okay. Okay. Right. Because 15 even if you year think olds. That, okay. Even if you happens. think that we yeah. still work the case, right? You still work it because you find them or you don't. You right, don't just right. assume, you can't just say, well, they ran away. And I, I think that they probably did. Now I will tell you that there are whispers of the fact that, um, this guy had been there for quite a while. Um, these were two young black females in a certain area of town that it seems, it does seem to be that it was dismissed. Things seem dismissed quickly. Um, I'm not saying that that's what happens all the time. I don't think that that happens all the time. I do think that this can happen particularly back then. And I think it sounds like his verbiage was along the lines of, I see this all the time. They probably just ran away. 
Yeah. Right. And so without actually looking at each case individually to say, well, maybe this one is different. Right. Uh, so anyway, he really doesn't work the case. Like this doesn't go any further. And then next thing, you know, the girls on what would be their 17th birthday. So just a couple years later, he actually calls the family or comes to the family and the mom is, you know, got her heart in her throat because she thinks that he's going to tell her that they've found the girls or found their remains. And in fact, he's coming to tell her that they've closed the case because now the girls would be 17, which means that even if they were to find them, they don't have to come back home at that age in Georgia at that time. Uh. Even though they didn't go missing at 17. Like we still have, on the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, we still have people who would be 40 years old that went missing when they were 13. You still keep, you know, you you don't as an agency just close a case at 17 because they're of this age that now it's like this magic number that now they don't have to come home, right? Yeah. So the frustration sets in. But who would give well, him the authority to do that? I guess was this guy a detective? It's a good question, you know, and you know this, but how it's different in every jurisdiction, like whether that like detective is like a lateral or vertical promotion or whatever. Augusta's a big town. Yeah. I'm sure they have like a small. I would think they would have specialized units. I would think that they would have, uh, you know, particular departments, right? Not for missing people. Not for missing people, but they would have, you know, it's not like some of the rural towns we talk about. Was this guy a detective or was he a street cop that called him? I have heard investigator. I have heard detective. I have heard cop. Uh, it's kind of depending on the source that you read. Because uh, yeah. when people say investigator, that's, that's always weird. a very generic term for his role. Um, yeah. So I mean, the nineties are different. So I mean, I, I and nineteen ninety, like you know, the first year of. Yeah. So. <clears throat> okay. I wonder Sorry, if I he had some cut. Kind of, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep listening. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says the case is closed. So whatever. So that, so of course, as you can imagine, they're frustrated. So at this point, anything that's going on, anything that's going on that would um, further the case or be looked into is being done by the family. Uh, now these things can get expensive. They don't have the money to hire a PI. They don't sure. have the money to, you know, whatever, look into this any more than they can. They've made handmade flyers. They've done what they can. So they keep going on and going on. Shantae, again, the sister is really, you know, she was a kid. She was 12. Uh, Now 14, 15, 16 as this is going on. And so they're doing everything that they can. Um, At some point, they get a a notification that NCMEC or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has dropped the case. And they say, I'm sorry, you know, what, what do you mean? You took her, you took them out of your files. And they say, uh, when they con- when the family contacts that organization, they said because they were told that the girls were found. So the family was like, no, the, the girls were not found. What do you mean? So then they call that guy, James Ship, right? They call the authorities and they're like, what do you mean they were found? Mm-hmm. And so he never tells them the girls were found. But at every turn, he's telling Nick Mac that the girls were found. And so he tells them not to worry about it, whatever. They call Nick Mac again. They say, hey, please call the authorities back because they don't have the power. The family doesn't have the power to change what Nick Mac does. So they say, call the authorities back and, you know, clarify this. The girls have not been found. So they do. 
and uh, it happens again. They, they keep it down for a while because they say that the girls have been found. So this is just one of many bizarre, like, whispers of, like, I, like almost just rumors, but, but they're not just rumors. They're actually, like, acting upon these things, right, as though right. it's fact. So there even comes another time where um, – they get word, Shantae and her family gets word that uh, the girls had been taken, like that had, like that defects had been consulted and that they came to get the girls. And so they call authorities. They're like, what are you talking about? Defects didn't come get my girls. First of all, Danette specifically was on seizure medication that she had to take daily for a seizure disorder. No one came to get her medication. There were other children in the home. They wouldn't have just taken these two girls out and not the other children. It's such a bizarre allegation that that defects came. It does feel like at every turn, they're just trying to make it go away almost. Like, I hate to say that it sounds bothersome to them, but it just seems bothersome to them. Another time, that same guy, Ship, um, alluded to the fact he had heard a rumor and went with it. He heard a rumor from one of the kids at school. Good Lord, you know what kids at school say. Like you, can, <laughs> right, I'm not going right. to go off a bunch of teenagers, you know. No. Um, Especially not in school. No, like, and if they had a beef with some girl, she's going to say what she, you know what I mean? Who knows? And so um, one of the things was that one of the girls said something like, oh, I think one of the girls was pregnant, you know, and they left. Well, here's the deal, though. Okay, let's think about that. If one of the girls is pregnant, first of all, right. the sister that they went to see, their older sister, she was a teen mom. And their mother loved and still supported her as best she could. She didn't alienate her or, or anything like that. Um, there were multiple siblings. The mom was not one, even as scary as it would be to tell your mother that at 15. They had they had experienced this with their sister. So it, it wasn't like that was a big fear. And also, so they're both just going to go. And after 33 years, no one's going to come back home or tell mom about it. Also, they were requesting aid to get home they were requesting a guardian if you will someone to walk with them at two different turns to walk with them home and they've confirmed this their family has confirmed this so we have less to go off of in the terms that they ran away and much more to go off of with they were trying to get home i mean they asked their sister they asked their cousin to walk with them home if, if they're trying to run away why would they go to two different stops to ask for help coming home Right. I just that, that doesn't make so sense strange. to me. Um, so anyway, I, I don't I don't think that they ran away. There's not an ounce of my being that feels right. like these girls went away. No, uh, especially and by, you would know by here. now. <laughs> you and you know by, by now. now. Like, the, yeah, 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 exactly. So let's talk on some ideas here. Um, someone we haven't talked about much is their biological father. His name is John. Uh we haven't talked about him because he really didn't play a part in their lives so much. They would see him occasionally kind of the terms would be like, they'd see him out and about. Uh, he still lived around town where they did. He didn't really have anything to do with them. He didn't pay child support. He, you know, kind of abandoned the family in a sense. Right. Um, but his parents, um, at least his mother, if not both of his parents lived with or near him. So the girls would come to see they were very close still with the paternal grandparents. So they would see them. And by way of doing so, they would see their biological father. Now 
he was known to have had a history of domestic abuse. Um, I think he was abusive to their mother, all sorts of things as to why he wasn't in the home with them. Um, but they would run across his path. So, um, years after the girls went missing, John actually pled guilty to concealing a murder, not theirs. This is something completely unrelated to the girls. Um, but you need to know that he does have a criminal past, uh, beyond that goes beyond, uh, domestic violence. Concealing a murder. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. he, he, but he didn't murder the person. No, no, he helped, he helped conceal. So there was a guy named Ernest Vaughn. Ernest is still in prison. He was convicted of a murder again, unrelated to the twins disappearance. And Ernest Vaughn agreed to talk from prison. So at one point, finally, he was like, yeah, I'll talk to you guys. Uh, when people were getting in touch with him, he's like, I'll talk to you. But essentially, can I think he had like just filed for his whatever appeal uh, that had gotten denied. He was like, I'll talk. But like, is there any way like if I give you real information that can help you out, you know, essentially, can you scratch my back too? Sure. Uh, and they're like, well, yeah, we'll try. So they immediately took that letter to authorities to say, hey, this is what this guy's saying. And they're like, well, you know, talk to him. So they do. And he said that he was actually at John's house, their biological father, the day that the girls went missing. He was there because he was often in and out of there. Their dad had a lot of uh, drug activity in and out of his house. And this earnest guy was only 12 years old at the time. And he was selling drugs out of John's house at 12. Mm. So he remembers being there. And uh, he remembers some, you know, unsavory characters, if you will, this kid, you know, we've talked about this, you know, it stinks. Like he kind of came up in this and at 12, this is already what he's doing. Uh, it, you know, I feel like it's well, no wonder I've, that he's I've in prison. A, I've got a video on my phone of a, of an eight year old whistling out cops to his drug addict mother wearing brand new Jordans, brand new white wash pants, brand new white Michael Jordan shirt and a white flat brim Michael Jordan hat at eight years old, standing on the corner of section eight housing, whistling out every time a cop goes by and actually worked a case for child abuse by using mm-hmm. the child by having cops drive by just so I could get a number of times of him making that noise only when cops right. go by. But imagine being at eight years old and you're already taught to be crowing out <clears throat> yeah. police. So I, I, and, and listen, when you're talking about a 12 year old kid in the hood, you know, uh, that's more like a 16 or 17 year old. Yeah. Yeah, but you know it's sad, also. right? It's sad to think it about. Is, is what I'm it's saying. Terrible, like it's sad it's that terrible, it's like like it's. So I'm saying it's it it's sad, it's but I mean I'm not super surprised that he you know it's eventually terrible. wound up in prison, right? Sure. So sure. he uh, was 12 years old. He said he was selling drugs there. He said that he was at John's house that day, the last day the girls were seen, and that the girls had stopped by, and that they were there. Um, I guess potentially to see the grandparents. I'm not super sure, but she they they had been there before. Um, he said that the girls stopped by and at some point one of the men there, uh, either did sexually assault or attempted to sexually assault one of the girls. Okay. The other sister, yeah, the other sister confronts the man, finds this out or hears her struggling or whatever, confronts the guy he hauls off. Now, this is Ernest Vaughn's recollection. This is what he's saying happened. At okay, 12, so at 12 at, years old. From 12 years old. He's now in prison sure. as an adult. 
I don't think you'd forget this, but this is what he's no. saying happened. And like um, I said, a 12 year old is like a 16 year old. You right. Know what I mean, they're just and you know, way here's the deal. Mature. You can choose to, none of this is on record. I mean, it's on record that he said it, but none of this is proven true. Sure. This is what he says. You can choose to believe it or not. Right. And I'll let you know what the authorities right. said later. But he says that once the sister confronts the guy for uh, this attempted or full on sexual assault of the sister, he hauls off, punches this sister in the face. She falls backward and the back of her head hits a coffee table and it splits open. Now other sisters start screaming. And he said, there's just kind of chaos mm -hmm. that ensues, as you can imagine. Uh, and then John, he, it's like either John, the biological father, or one of the other men there yells and tells him, Ernest, and a few other people there basically to get out and leave until it's quiet. Mm. This is what he said happened. He said they said leave until it's quiet. Uh, and he he is under the very strong opinion that the girls were killed and dumped in an area called the Brickyard Pond area. So when you look at the Brickyard Pond area there outside of Augusta, uh, evidently, you know, we've talked about the Lincoln Park area in Chicago. Right. When we talked about Adnan Saeed and all that. Right. Uh, and then once we learn more about Lincoln Park, you realize that like it's a really kind of known dumping ground for bodies, for murders. <laughs> um, so it sounds like the Brickyard Pond area is exactly the same. Uh, come to find out when you talk to authorities or read accounts of it, this was a pretty common place to dispose of criminal activity, uh, a.k.a. A, a corpse. So, uh, so they have never searched that area. And let me tell you why they say that, okay, first of all, let me tell you this Jim ship that we talked about that was originally the lead on the case right. that at every turn dismissed, Oh, they're probably pregnant and ran off. Oh, I think they're runaways. Oh, now they're 17. We're not going to look into it further. Right. At every turn, he never gave them a bone. He mm. never interviewed John, the biological father, although they were known to talk to him and he lived right there in the area that they went missing. Let me tell you why they didn't authenticate this because, or why they say they don't believe it. Okay. So listen, so Jim, James ship, the guy who, like I said, was dismissing everything in every yeah. turn. Eventually he goes off. They, they, he closed the case. Right. I will tell you current day. It has yeah. been reopened. Nick Mech okay. has them on file. Um, and it is considered cold, but it is being right. worked. We think or hope. But in 2013, at the urging of family, there was a new sheriff in town, yeah. um, Sheriff Roundtree, and he seemed kind and compassionate. And the family thought, maybe these are the fresh eyes that we need. Maybe this will right. be, you know, this new, well, let's try again. So in 2013, Roundtree took over. Well, so Roundtree was around when 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 this came to light about Ernest Vaughn's uh, testimony, if you will, what his recant is of that night. Well, at one point in Ernest's story, when he's talking about the girls being there and the fight that ensued and the assault, he mentioned someone that was there when they said, who, you know, who else was there? And he mentioned this guy that was in a wheelchair. Mm. Okay. So there was a guy that was there in a wheelchair. Well, the truth of the matter is this guy did become in a wheel. He was in an officer involved shooting about two years after this event, after the girls went missing and was uh, paraplegic. Um, and was in a wheelchair from that shooting mm. just two years later. So keep in mind, if this guy is now, it's been 30 years or whatever, 
And so for the last 20 something years, whatever, however, you know, over two decades, he's known of this guy to be in a wheelchair. When he thinks about that event, if he's saying he was in a wheelchair, like that's negligible to me. I don't feel like that's enough to throw out everything that he said. Right. Uh, And so, but because of that 12, right? Because he's 12. Well, and that's what I'm saying. If the rest, if it, then at 14, this guy lands himself in a wheelchair and for the rest of this guy's life, that guy was in a wheelchair. That's the only way he knows him. Right. Okay. Right. So, but because of that one detail, because he said that there was a guy in a wheelchair there and they said, but he wasn't. And he's like, oh, right. My bad. Like he is now, but like he wasn't then they're like, boop, we're not going to search Brickyard Pond area. We don't believe anything you said. Then another time they said, actually, have they still not searched Brickyard Pond mm, area? No. And it gets weirder because now, now they say, well, actually we kind of corroborate what he says. Like, we think that what he said is probably true. We just don't think it's the girls. The, <laughs> what other two girls so still, were just killed? still go fucking drain the... Well, I mean, I don't know how big the Brickyard Pond is. It might not be a pond. It might be more of a fucking... No, it's lake, a, I think but. it's a brick... I think it's a like literally a, a, a brickyard. Um, but... Okay, so then there's two other girls that were potentially killed. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, like, at every turn, you, it's not uh, making sense. Why wouldn't you go and at least try to, to so try then to let's, the bodies? Let's take it down. Crazy. I hate to say it this way, but almost kind of a worse path. So if okay. anybody is still thinking, you know, if you're still in runaway camp, even after this stuff, okay, that's fine. I'll give it to you. Think what you want. Let's move forward. We're going to talk about a guy named James Patrick Washington. Okay, well, They definitely didn't run away. Oh, I definitely they wouldn't do have left, not think they wouldn't that they have left their 12-year-old sister. You know what I'm saying? No, I, like, I it, it you know, no, I don't think for me. Not this many years afterwards. For for a whole lot of reasons, yes. No, there's no so, way they ran away. So just take that off the table. <laughs> James Patrick camp, Washington. Uh yeah. Dad, can we get a picture of him up? It's a mug shot of a male. James, oh, damn. So, this is James Patrick Washington. Uh this is, this was taken in, I don't know, mid nineties, a little bit after the girls had, had gone missing. Okay. We, we can, Ooh, that's going to be enough of that guy. So now that we've seen him, this dude lived and worked at a local brickyard there in Augusta. All right. He lived on a street called Hale street okay. and he often had to traverse MLK Boulevard uh, to get to work and particularly at the point where that pumping shop was that gas station where they were last right. seen that would have been on his um, back and forth work travels. Okay. okay. Uh, he was known to drive three different cars, three different vehicles, all of which all were right. cars, not a van, but it would be good to remember that um, even if he didn't, own a van he had access to multiple kinds of vehicles because he worked in transport at the brickyard so Mm. trucks vans cars you name it he had access to and would use okay so uh, he was at this point we find out later people didn't know this then but he was actively attacking women in the early 90s right there in that part of town in Augusta. In fact, authorities say that his earliest murder, you heard me right, murder was possibly in (laughs) 1987. 
His victimology was very specific. Young black women with short hair in their teens to early 30s. We know by the looks of the picture that Jeanette and Danette both very specifically fit that description. This guy, James, stood only five foot four, but he was heinously vicious. This guy was, and this is all um, based on uh, victim testimony. And they all said, they all corroborated exactly the same story. His MO was very specific. He would abduct the women. He would often subdue them first by pistol whipping, which he was not a big guy. He probably had to subdue right, these women. Right. So he would uh, pistol whip them, take them to a second location. Never go to a second location if it's within any of your power. Be, risk getting run over by the car tires before you go to a second location. He would take them to the second place, and there he would often shoot them in the abdomen and then rape them. Um, He would actually, he was known per the victims to uh, pull his shirt up and hold his shirt and his teeth so that it wouldn't get bloodied by their bleeding abdomen while he was assaulting them. Um, So keep this in mind. In 1995, the girls went missing in 1990. In 1995, he was sentenced to 17 consecutive life sentences for abductions taking place between the years of 1991 and 1993. He was found guilty of sexually assaulting five women, three of whom he shot but did survive. He was set to stand trial for the murder of two other women and was the prime suspect in a third murder, but it got dropped because they couldn't quite find enough evidence He never made it to trial. However, he died in prison in 1999 of AIDS. No, good for him. Uh, So let me tell you a little something, though. John that we spoke on, that biological father, he and James knew each other and had some shared criminal activity over the years. Well, I mean, so listen, when you're talking about a community like this, I'm only coming off of the whole Claw case, but I think just so many people don't understand that these communities, we're not talking about it's really hard for most of America to understand, but you're talking about no more than seven blocks of an area. And a lot of these folks like, like this John character, they've never left those seven blocks their whole life. So everybody knows everybody. All the cops know the, the key players. They keep going back to the same guys for the same things. These guys all know. So, you know, my point being is he would have known these two girls since they were probably babies. You know what I mean? Being in that neighborhood. Yeah, maybe now the family though, like the mom and the girls and they had moved out, but the mom and these other kids weren't in, they weren't associated with them at all. Like, I mean, I guess they were in the sense that they would go sometimes to see the grandparents, but they weren't into anything. Mom's going to work. They're going to church. That dad dad was probably friends with these guys for, Oh yeah, for a long time, and they would have known that he had two, two yeah. twins. You know what I mean. So keep this in mind. So then John um, is currently the father uh, in a nursing home for dementia. They did go back to I say they meaning like other not authorities uh, to talk to him about this. His initial response was that uh, mm. they were dead and buried and gone. And then moving forward from that, you couldn't really get coherent speech. And then he couldn't seem to remember anything after he said that. I do think that first statement, if he truly has dementia, that first statement actually could mean a lot. And I say that because 
um, a lot of you know, but when you have dementia, a lot of times you remember things from long ago. You have a much harder time with short-term memory. So a lot of times people with dementia might remember the 50s and the 60s and, you know, might think you were that boyfriend or girlfriend from back then or your husband or wife from back then and don't know the current, you know, what's been going on in the last 10 years. So if he did say that, I don't know. I'm not. I don't necessarily think it was wrong. He did tell their oldest daughter, though, um, back around the time this happened, um, AC Ander, he told her that if the cops ever came to ask him any questions about the disappearance of the girls to tell them he had died. <laughs> um, so there is currently a $50,000 reward. Uh, that is until August of this year. It will then get dropped back down uh quite a bit back to the donors if there's no information or arrest made in the case uh, by that point. Um, and where, so where, where did you say the, uh, where did you say the, did you know the, the pump shop? What, where was that? Like, do you know what the name of that pump shop was or? It, it was called pump and shop. Like the, just the gas, there's like corner market. Yeah. But that was the last place they were seen. Mm-hmm. Man, that is bonkers man uh, you know it's just pitiful i mean you know and i dad, do think that the dad knows this john character he knows who took his daughters that's sickening i mean i think that i you know without any other information and this is really the only information we have unless shantae reaches out and has something else to say but this is pretty much everything i've gathered is what we've talked about tonight um kind of compactly but i think I, I'm going with the earnest guys, what he said. I really think that he's got nothing to lose. The dude's never leaving James. Well, there's definitely, like so I, I was looking at the Google maps just now of this brickyard and I was mm -hmm. pretty much right in my brain of how I, Oh, hail is another street, by the way, if you were just trying Hale to street. think. Hail Street um, is right there. But, the, you know, it's very block by block, grid square block, big inner city style things. And look, you know, you and I have like not really, you know, you know, Wilmington doesn't really have. It's got a couple of blocks, but it's not like Augusta or somewhere like Chicago where, where it's laid out in a very specific way. Um, this Brickyard Ponds lines up right next to this like old Savannah grid system type street, and that would be. I mean, just a vast, vast marshy. I mean, well, so that's it. So that's that what I was going to say. Very large area with Augusta lots lies of dirt between roads. the Piedmont and the coast. Yeah, that right? would be so the like Piedmont searching... area. If, if you're not aware, is like a, a marshy, swampy uh, river. I mean, for, it's got its own miles ecosystem and miles. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, this brickyard ponds. You know, for the listeners, you might be thinking like, well, how hard is it to search a pond? Because that's what I was thinking. I was like, why would no, we go fucking like empty this pond. pond? No, 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 no. This is like, this is like, it goes all the way to a dam. Um, the new Savannah Bluff Lock and Dam. Uh, it's a pretty big, marshy, alligator infested, mm -hmm. you know, airboat. Lots of uh, jetties. And let's say there was some sandbars. partnership really, there. This you is a hypothesis, but let's say, uh, you know, this is, this is stretching here, but if we're just kind of theorizing, you know, let's say that who's to say, uh, you know, no one's confirmed nor denied that James, that serial rapist and killer 
was at John's house that night when this happened to the girls. So right. who's to say when John was like, somebody take care of it, you guys leave and don't come back till it's quiet. Who's to say that James wasn't like, oh yeah, I work, that's where I work at that place, right? At that yeah. brickyard pond. So obviously he's guy. already got a history. Yeah, I know a guy, like I'm already <laughs> doing this in my spare time. So, yeah. you know, who's to say he didn't go on and handle it. Um, he's dead. We can't talk to him. John's still alive, but he has dementia. You know, it's, that Ernest guy, though, I think right now he's the most solid lead we've got in what he said. But again, if you remember, the authorities dismissed what he said because he just made the one mistake of saying the guy was in a wheelchair, which the guy was yeah, in a wheelchair two years later. For listen, that, I'm not the definitely cops are wrong for for dismissing all that. But even if let's just say even if they were like, OK, yeah, bro, I don't see that you're finding anybody in this pond area. Yeah, but you don't I just not seen, follow no, up I, on a well, lead. Well, no, I get that. You no, know? I get that. I get that. But I'm saying, like, like let, let's just say you did follow up on the lead, like you're supposed to. Yeah. Where would you start, man? I'm looking at this place, man. It's it's way bigger than I thought. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at so many dirt roads because you know I get interested in these true crime things. You know, like I'm I'm already thinking like, oh, let's go out there. You know, like let let's go plan a trip and. Have you looked at the yeah. Google image of this place yet? Yeah, I have. Oh, my God. I mean, you're talking pond, 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 dirt road. I mean, it looks like looks like you're flying over Vietnam here. Yeah. Where would you start? Piedmont. Where would you start? Um, that sucks. I, I mean, I guess you need a little bit more information from wheelchair guys. Like, where would they have, you know, where would they have started? Oh, Ernest. Yeah, He's not Ernest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what I mean, the guy with the wheelchair yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. But like, you know, cause I, I'm seeing right now that there looks like uh, like this thing might have tides, like a low tide and high tide. It will. It's going to be. It's very likely going to be tidal because most of that's going to be brackish water. You know, that's going to. So if it's um, tidal, you're going to have roads there during the day that might not be there four hours. Now, later. listen, I can't confirm that it's tidal, Ooh. but I know that a lot of those areas, when you run land between a coast and a a, a, a river, um feature often it is going to be a uh, title yeah i guess i don't know it just looks huge and and uh, man that's crazy uh, so we'll post pictures guys hey actually dad if you wow. want to go in and put up um the nicmec the national center for missing and exploited children's phone number you can also call the augusta sheriff's department with any leads you can send us messages you can do all the things uh we'll put all of this information up on andrea Uplate and failure to stop on instagram uh, you know, and you know, guys, it's, it's the same that we talk about all the time. We do, we do these unsolves a lot, but this one particularly, oh, wow. Andrea Hale street is like one block from the beginning from of this vast pond area, yeah. like walking distance. I know. I know. Jeez. Keep in mind, guys, there is not as far as it, correct me if I'm wrong, everything that I can find, all the sources I look at, there's not another case of twins um, unsolved, like twin, uh, disappearance or murder or, or whatever. This did not garner national attention. This did not garner any news at all. Now go back to what we were talking about earlier with, um, the masters coming on. Uh, some of the whispers are that they did not want to in the weeks prior to the masters and all of this influx of tourism taint the airwaves with, missing girls missing teenagers possible right. murder uh this is not something they wanted to have 
uh, you know, out there when all this money was about to come in and all these people were about to come in. Right. So that's kind of one of the thoughts. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with that to be fair. Um, another thought is that, you know, while we weren't really talking about sex trafficking and these kinds of things at that time, in 1990, it wasn't really on our radar, right? But it was occurring and it was definitely occurring in Augusta with Atlanta mm -hmm. being a hub. So a place we talk about it now because we know more now, but like the Super Bowl, whatever, when you have these big events with all these tourists and it really spikes, there's spikes in the in the trafficking realm. Uh, this would have happened. This was going on at that time. Um at the masters and, and people would be trafficked and then Atlanta would be the hub and then sprout out from there. So to be fair and as terrible as it sounds, I know the family has heard this kind of thing. I've read about it a lot, but you know, I think that the idea of them being alive at this point would maybe be if, if that's what happened. Um, I don't, I mean, I know that that could have happened. I, I just really think this was more no, closer to I home. Think I think this is, was yeah, the John James situation. John James situation, you know, which is, yeah. you know, so sad. I mean, these, you know, especially just coming off of Father's Day weekend. I mean, I, I nothing worse than I hate than just a father that would allow their daughters. Uh, he was never even a father to them. You know what I mean? He's technically yeah, but, their I mean, it's, it, You're still a father and you allow one of your homies, oh, yeah. you know, this James character or whatever, the people that you know get away with some shit like this like that motherfucker knows i'll tell you right now james knows. i mean he's got his ear john. down on this john he's got yeah. his ear down on the streets they fucking know he fucking knows man and um you know that yeah. sucks that sucks you know? but look like we say every time if you you know lived in or around that area at the time and any of this sounds sounds familiar or whatever uh always call always make it always you know uh, give a tip when you can. Give a any kind of information you have. But we'll put all those numbers up. We need to get Imperial Gold down there on the case. Right? She's not far from there. So, guys, moving forward, next week is our one year for Night Shift celebration. It's going to be a party. We have to do something. Maybe we'll wear party hats. Um, <laughs> we have Andre's going to wear tassels. On my ears. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody, uh, we talked about a pretty pretty uh cool idea for a guest we'll see if that happens or not for next week if you guys have crazy cool fun ideas that we will actually do i want to surprise you with a jim terry yeah we'll create one year of night shift yeah please let's not do that i'll get you jim terry back on happy anniversary happy anniversary baby now you know drew said that uh He's a subscriber of ours. Got Jim Terry on my mind. Listen, I've the dude's entertaining as shit. He's got entertainment no, I mean, down. Drew said that Jim uh, is a subscriber of, of failure to stop. Drew no, was, like Drew is like John in the story you just told. He could say he's got dementia. He's old. He could say anything he wants. Drew, fight him. Um. Before we go, let me read a, a quick comment I have about Drew since he's in the chats currently. This is um, from an avid listener, Liz Marie. Now, listen, guys, it sucks because we have so many platforms, Discord, Instagram, my personal Instagram, Failure to Stops, Instagram, let's go. It takes me forever to figure out who sent me what and where they sent and where, it. where, yeah. But um, I know I have this, and I looked it up. At the beginning of the night, but then I turned off my daggone Wi-Fi. This is a great um, 
let's see here. Liz, how do you spell Liz? L-I-Z, right? L-I-Z-M-A-R-I-E. Her thing is like Liz, a black and blue. Did you, where did you send this to me in, Liz? Um, son of a gun. Hang on. Let's go. Um, um, let's see here. Liz. Liz Marie. Oh, she did send me messages on failure to stop, but it's not that message. So it must be under Eric Tanzi. Fill in for me for just a second, Andrea. Uh, yeah, guys. So again, if you do have ideas, we are putting up more reels, doing some more stuff. Got a little bit more time on our hands for some more Patreon content or the shorts on YouTube. Also, 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 look, I've got to put the post up. I said it last week. I want you guys to do uh, to do the contest with me. So like, tag, couple of friends, share it. I'll put it on Fill Your Stop. I'll put it on Andrea Plate. We will pick two winners, and two winners will get T-shirts. Um, so do that. I'll put it up tomorrow, and we'll pick next week. Is a week long enough for you guys? So let's do that. We're trying to get our uh, subscribers up and we're trying to get our Instagram followers up to 10,000. Yeah, we're almost soon. at 10,000. We're almost at 10,000. We're 000. almost there. It's only been a year. We're doing great. Uh, the discord is where it's at. Yeah, I love the discord and I'm going to do the whole betting thing for the month of July in the discord. So I'm going to be placing bets. And then even if you guys don't get on my bookie um, with our promo code, don't do it. Yeah. Wait until July until our promo kicks off. Um, but even if you don't do that, all we can do is like some science, just, you know, like some, Kind of like word of mouth betting, like, like oh, I told yeah. you, Tansy, you were wrong. But, I mean, if you got that money and you want to do it and you want to have fun, um, we'll do it. Wait, All do right, I so get here, money if is, you're wrong? Um, I'll take you. I got a pond area. Can go <laughs> All right, so this is from Liz Marie. It says, I about spit out my water listening to you and Jay. Um, we were off yesterday. I work – well, I'm not going to say where she works. Every year we take cultural sensitivity – Nope. Wrong, wrong message. All right, here we go. Happy Father's Day. On a more serious note, John had all of us quite convinced that Drew had been lost at sea. So we could just get used to him being a sole host on Com Center. Tansy, in my detective experience that I have only learned from Law and Order SVU, I ask you, please put John's action in Drew's file. It just seems like John could make Drew's untimely death look like an accident. Drew should be glad that he has such a caring fan, not to mention that John seems like the wife that would murder her husband for his life insurance money. All I'm asking is that you please make note in Drew's file. Thanks for your advice. Thank you in advance, she says. So I think she's on to something. I think uh, John uh, at Com Center, Dispatcher John, could be exactly what you say. He does seem that type to me, at least on the surface. Um, so, you know, I, I could see something like that happening. And uh, we will put that on his file. Thank you, Liz Marie, for the plot twist. Message. John has logged into Drew's instant to Drew's YouTube, <laughs> and he's commenting for Drew right now. Yeah, he's so. Um, also, uh, some some cunt left a, a terrible message on Gromit Vomit podcast for my kids. Florida Ripper says that the kids can't talk right. I mean, just like an 80s, adult. 
Yes, it looks like he's. You know, he's like, I really wanted to like this podcast. Um, the these kids are terrible. They, you know, they ask the same questions to all the guests, and it sounds like sometimes that their parents are even trying to chime in to give them help because they can't come up with questions on their own because I mean, they're this, children. Because they're fucking ten years old. They're in fourth grade. Shut up. So if anybody, but that is the one what review a cool that you see. That one is. Yeah, he said so. He has to give him one star or something. It's their only one star review. But anyway, that's the review Fun, you, you see when you yeah. go on Podbean. So if somebody could go on there and leave another review for these kids, so that's not the f- only review you see, um, that would be awesome. So just go to Gromit Vomit and then leave us a review on Failure to Stop if you haven't oh, done already. I assume that everybody has. We have you know well over almost two thousand written reviews on on itunes so um you guys are always good about that so you know if you are consuming this content for free being that you're not a patreon or paid youtube subscriber one of the best ways to support our show without throwing down that cash is just leaving us a five-star rating and review and uh we're hitting that like and subscribe button on youtube it's too easy and that um that keeps uh andrea's toenails painted every week was, uh at least seven of them yeah, she's she's only gonna, so anyway. Um, and then also make sure, even if you're in the YouTube, go back and make sure that you have the automatic downloads on your podcast because this is a podcast and not a YouTube channel. And so all of the money that we make from this comes from podcasts. Everything that we make on YouTube is just little bonus money that we use to give back to the people, usually with some with something, but um, you know, go uh, make sure that you hit that automatic download on pod. Bean, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you consume your podcast, that would be great. And uh, uh, we've got John added to the uh, file. So um, I think for the new one-year episode, Andre will also have a new camera out. Ah, I'm uh, supposed to have it today. It'll be next week. <laughs> it'll be fine. Thank it's best gonna guy. be. It's you know whatever. One year. It's a what a what a better. I can't think of a better time to roll out a new camera than the one year anniversary. I'm excited for it. Uh, what are we gonna drink that night? You wanna? Ew, you coordinate drunk? something. You wanna get drunk with me on that show? We haven't been drunk together. Well, that was the Jim Terry episode. That's the last that time we did the Jim Terry. <laughs> she get drunk on the show together. Uh, damn. Your mom's in town though. That's true. Yeah, mom's in town. Tell or mom she to will watch be. the kids. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell mom to watch yeah. the kids. You're getting drunk in your bedroom all night. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's do some champs. You want to do some champs? Some That'd be fun. Lang, some bubbly. Some bubbly. Yeah, I'm down yeah. with that. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All Let's right, guys. It. Craig in the chat says, utilize all that extra memory on your phone. If your phone is low on storage, erase photos of your kids. Download the podcast. Greg. That's right, Greg. Damn, you are Ah, oh, Greg is on it. Greg is oh, on it. Still yeah. wearing that mask in 2023. He's on it though. I'm all in. Falconator. Sorry, Carly. Um, you know we could do a Q and A. Maybe that could be fun, like an interaction situation. Uh, Carly says he must feel better being hard on kids 40 years younger than him we're good yes yes uh what a piece of shit uh we can turn this guy into a tuesday episode if you want to yeah that would be great i mean yeah it would take some detective work because it's like florida ripper 69 or something like that i don't know what the the call sign was there but um (laughs) it's a very funny very funny read if you're into it um 
But yeah, what a douchebag indeed. Because mainly, have you listened to those kids' show? They do a phenomenal yes. job. And they ask, it's so mindless and thoughtless that like it's just it's pure to hear these like pro athletes talk about corn dogs and farts and you know who their childhood yeah. like what their favorite music is i mean it's like it's 30 minutes of like mindless joy for other it's for kids it's not even for adults so yeah this guy's a fucking butthead but anyway um well, our thoughts and prayers go out to the Submariner. We have last call tomorrow, which we'll be covering in the Submariner. Uh, the Submariners will be talking about Hunter Biden and the new charges out on him. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover in last call tomorrow. That show has just gotten so easy to do. By the way, if you haven't caught up on episode three of our Daniel Holtzclaw case, we've actually had like um, investigators and people reach out. Uh, to us on behalf of that project. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll see a little bit more coming out of that project later on down the road, but that's definitely something you should go check out the, you know, I don't know. The second episode was good. First episode. uh, I mean, whatever, but the third episode was a banger for sure. And um, we've gotten a lot of information about that. So if you're, you know, if you're in, you know, this is a case that, you know, like a nod Saeed, when when you listen to it, you're going to have a lot of questions, yeah. But if you really dig down into it, and I did the Anad Saeed, listen, I, I was like, yeah, right. Let me see. Uh, there's no evidence that I can find that, that this kid did anything wrong. And, um, and you know, it's the same way with the Daniel Holtzclaw case. Uh, every avenue that I go down where I'm like, yeah, fuck him, I got him now. I don't. I don't have it. Uh, the, the evidence isn't there. And, and for a jury, and the jury's even coming out and saying that the only reason they did it was because the media and and the media headlines, which was vaginal DNA, which was just not true. There was no vaginal DNA found, period. So, uh, but a great case. But this was a a case. I kind of want to go to Augusta. I know. I really wanted to go to Augusta when I thought it was a pond. My goodness. When I thought it was a pond, I wanted to go. But now that I see that it is not a pond, that is a wildlife sanctuary of everything that wants to hurt you. It's like a little Australia what that is gators yeah. snakes tornadoes it looks like they got a little flash flooding that looks like a heinous place to uh well i certainly hope that uh you know while mom is still alive they can find you know have some answers here and and figure this out because my goodness, yeah me too it sounds you like know? it's right there you know just right i, I think it all lies there. with this, so, this john and uh what's the 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 12 year old that's in prison Maybe we can talk to him. Well, uh, yeah, Ernest Vaughn. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, anyway, my last piece on this is that family says they do feel a little bit more hopeful now because finally some eyes are on the case. More podcasts are picking it up. More articles are being written about it. Uh, so hopefully it's gotten steam and, you know, new new breath again. And, you know, maybe that will. Maybe We now know that we have these capabilities now. You know, if we reach out to a few people and – other shows reach out to other people and you know, who's to say, Damn, but who's to say? we'll see. Uh, well, uh, great. Another great show. Uh, Millbrook twins, really good show. And, uh, I love those mysteries and we're excited for next week. We'll see you guys next week for our one year anniversary right here on failure to stop true crime Tuesdays for myself and Andrea up late. Guns up. Giddy up. Good night. Y'all.